I'm excited to preach today because I love preaching. And um, I know that God has a very powerful word for today. It's a word that I feel like it's timely, it's vital. We need to hear this word. This word convicted me. And you know a word is good when you're prepping and you start crying like, God, I can't preach this. Because I haven't even mastered it yet. And I felt like the Lord said, that's why I need you to speak it. Because this is the thing, God is in love with broken people. And for far so long, we've had churches communicate the opposite. But hear me, let me tell you this, and maybe this is the first time you heard it. God loves your brokenness. Because it's in your brokenness that he designs the best masterpieces. It's in your brokenness. The Bible says that in your weakness, he is made strong. So many of us are trying to be strong in our own strength. And God is saying, I got that for us. So I truly believe that God is going to speak to us very powerfully with this word. It's going to minister to all of us. I just need you to lift up your expectation. Because remember, God is going to respond according to that. So get your expectation ready. Be ready to hear from the Lord because I truly believe it is him who is going to be speaking tonight. Open up your Bibles. James 4. We are a hollaback church. And what that means is that we don't do good with quiet. A quiet church is a dead church. So we are loud and proud here. That means you can say, like, preach it, Dominicano. You can say, give me that word in Jesus' name. You can say whatever. You can say, come on. You can say, that's good. Open the scroll. You can say, that's delicious. Just flow in the oil. Don't get inappropriate, though. We got security on standby. So make sure that you guys are hollering back, talking back, because that's just throwing wood to the fire. James chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. A very familiar passage of Scripture. James 4, 7 to 8. Bro, this LED wall is fire. From glory to glory. And it says, as a matter of fact, I want to read it from the LED wall. Take advantage. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then the next verse says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. One more time. Submit yourselves then, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Today I want to speak to you from this subject. It's not working. Let's pray. Father, we honor your word. We love you for who you are, for who you, who you were and who you will continue to be. We thank you that your love is in this room, your fire is in this room, your presence is in this room. And wherever your presence is, that's where liberty is. That's where freedom is. That's where healing is. That's where power and breakthrough are. So God, we just thank you that only your presence can do that and your presence is in our midst. We love you and praise you. Speak through me and to me. Minister to me and through me. Have your way. Speak, Lord. Your people are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Quickly look at three people and say, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Thank you, Nubia. It's not working. It's not working. Look at two people and say, generator. Inside joke. A couple years ago, church, a couple years ago, we were having a cookout at my house, at my wife's house, which is my house. 
And thank you for the clarification, yeah. And we were having a cookout there. There was about five of us present, including myself. Uh, but there was also, out of those five, there was a dog there. But it, it wasn't just any dog. It was a possessed dog. It was uh, the closest thing to, uh, you know, a demonic manifestation type of a dog. And I just want to give proper context. I am a dog lover. I believe there are dogs currently worshiping in heaven. Um, I, but in the same breath, I would say I'm a dog person, not a cat person. I feel like, I feel like, no, but let me finish the sentence. I'm not a cat person. And the reason I'm not a cat person is because they're the closest, those eyes, there's nothing godly about those eyes. You just, I, I wake up and if you see that red eye of the cats, you have to start rebuking quick. So um, I'm a dog lover. How many dog lovers in the room? Perfect. Okay. I thought I'd get the majority. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm a dog lover, so I just wanted to give you that context to make sure you know I did not dislike the dog. But I, was never, I never was raised in, with a dog. My, my mom has always been scared of pets and animals, so I never was raised with dogs. Every time I've seen pets, it was usually like one of my friends or things of that nature. So in this cookout, my sister-in-law, Destiny, brings this dog that God was not with this dog. <laughs> and I, I looked at him twice because it was gigantic. It was a mixture of a pit bull and a horse. And, <laughs> and when I saw that dog, I knew to keep my distance. I, I, know, I know how to be logical. And I was, but we were outside and went from five people to then three people. And then from three people to just myself. Because my wife went back upstairs to continue cooking for the cookout. And her sister did the same thing. And her sister was the owner of the dog. So um, my wife, as she stood up and said, babe, I'll be right back. I said, wait, wait, wait. You're not, you're not, you're not leaving me alone with this thing, right? Uh, and she said, no, baby, don't worry. Um, so what you do is if it gets too excited, just look at it in its eyes, point at it and yell, no. So I'm like, that's it, you sure? She's like, babe, that's all you gotta do. That's, been work that's what's been working for us. I'm like, bet, go, I got this, are you kidding me? And I've been looking at the door like, what's up? You about to get it. <laughs> and as soon as, it's weird, I swear it was demonic, because as my wife was walking to the house, the dog was looking at her, and once like, she entered the house, he looked back at me, <laughs> and, like, the, and I'm like, wait, but you weren't breathing like that a second ago though. So, like, why are you doing that right now? So, like, it starts breathing, and it starts looking at me. And I don't like that. So I just start praying in the spirit. And as I'm praying in the spirit, the dog gets closer. So I do what every casual Christian does. I run, and I say, God, why me? I did that. The dog kept following me. And then, this is where I completely lost it, Pastor. So what he started doing is started biting on my ankles. And for those of you who know, I'm always wearing pants that show my ankles. So the dog starts nibbling at my ankles, and I come to find out later that apparently he does that when he wants to play. I did not know that. I was not aware of that context, that much-needed context. So he's biting my ankles. Of course, I think he just wants to eat me. So I start yelling. Um, loudly, so much to the point that our neighbor came outside and said, are you okay? I said, no. 
And I start yelling from the top of my lungs. Um, the neighbor was confused because I was also like rebuking. My wife comes outside. When she comes outside, she said, babe, what happened? I said, don't ever call me babe again. You said, you looked at me. You said if I looked at this dog in the eye, pointed at it, and said no, that it wouldn't come at me. And it did the very opposite. So her sister comes out because then her, um, when my wife came out, she tried it. She said, babe, look at watch. No. The dog kept coming. So I'm like, gotcha. I gotcha. So the owner, Destiny, comes outside. I said, what's going on? She came outside, and she saw what was happening. So she stood there, crossed her arms. And when she did that, the dog immediately ran from my proximity and ran towards Destiny. I had to share that story, one, because I'm still in therapy. <laughs> so it's very traumatic. My marriage was almost ruined with that one encounter. But happy five-year anniversary, we're still going strong. Um, but because of that moment, I want to let you know that it's weird. I was given very simple instructions. I ain't preaching yet. You'll feel it. I was given simple instructions. I looked at the dog, made eye contact, pointed at it, and said, no, absolutely not, no. But it didn't, it didn't listen to me. And I did exactly what I was told. I followed it step by step. I tried it more than once. But it just wasn't working. It just wasn't working. But I did what I was told. I wasn't rebellious. I did what I was told. What's my question with this? What's the point of my story? What do you do, church, when you follow God's instruction, step by step by step, but instead of seeing the fruition of the instruction, you see the very opposite? What do you do when God gives you an instruction and your response is, but God, it's not working? What do you do? When God says, resist the devil, and he should flee from you. This is the Bible, y'all. James 4, 7. Resist the devil. Resist the world. Resist the enemy. Resist the temptation, and it will go from you. But I don't know if I'm the only one here who has sometimes witnessed the opposite. And there's been many moments where I had to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God and say, God, yeah, that thing you told me to do. It's not working. It's just not working. I don't, know, I don't know what to do next. And I finally, after several years of prayer, therapy, and counseling, I started asking God, why is it that that same encounter that I had with the dog, why is that the reality for many of us in our Christian walk? In church, I'm so excited to say that I finally got the answer to that question. Why is it that we can follow instruction, we can do what we're told, but it seems like it's not working. The answer to that question is, read the entire verse. See, this is the danger with famous scriptures. Because famous scriptures, your John 3.16s, your Philippians 4.13, your Romans 8.28, your famous scriptures. The problem is, because they're so famous, we build up a shell of familiarity. And when we read the Bible through the lens of familiarity, there are many things we can no longer have access through through faith. So, we read this scripture, but it's very famous. We all know that. Draw near to God. When I move, you move. 
Just like that. And when I move, you move. Just like that. And when I move, you move. Hey, DJ, don't do that. So what happened here was, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. But what I learned, Jimmy, is that that's not the whole verse. The most important part of that scripture actually is the first three words. Put James 4, 7 on the screen for us real quick. Notice that the Bible doesn't start saying resist the devil. But the Bible actually starts saying submit yourselves to God. Wait a second. So it's not just about resisting the devil, but it's actually about submitting to God. What if I told you that if you try to resist the world and resist temptation and resist the devil, if there's no submission, your resistance is invalid? I'm about to preach. What if I told you that you can resist all you want? Say no to all the wrong things. Say no to all those things that are trying to get your attention, those negative influences, those addictions, those strongholds. And we've been saying no, we've been resisting, but if we can be real, church, my question is, out of all those times you resisted, how many victories did you have compared to how many defeats? Because, of course, we have our good days, some days where we didn't watch that, we didn't say that, we didn't do that. But how long is your streak? Because it's so easy to just think we need to resist, but the actual and most important part is we need to submit. Because if we do not submit, the devil is going to see your resistance as a relationship building exercise. If I throw this microphone, listen very closely. It is expensive. It comes out of my department budget. Hear me. I resisted. I did what I was told. I resisted. I said no. I said no. But it kept coming. But notice, when the owner came out, the dog stopped pursuing me. The dog stopped attacking me. Hear me, many times we think we can resist the devil effectively, but the only problem is, is the creator present or not? Hear me very closely. Woo! The dog left me alone because the owner of the dog was present. If you want the enemy to leave you alone, someone needs to be present. His name is Jesus. His name is the creator of the heavens and the earth. His name is Alpha and his name is Omega. He is the beginning and the end. If you believe that God is ready to be in the room with you as you fight your biggest defeats, as you fight your biggest devils, I want to let you know if God is the room, you can't lose. Come on, give God a shout of praise right there. When the owner came out, the dog left me alone. There have been many of us who have been resisting and resisting and fighting temptation after temptation and fighting the enemy and fighting all those negative things we used to do and we used to be. And then we ask ourselves, God, I'm trying to stop doing this. I'm trying to stop cussing. I'm trying to stop watching pornography. I'm trying to stop having sex before marriage. I'm trying to make sure I can behave. I'm trying to make sure I can be consistent in church. I'm trying to make sure I can be a good influence. I'm trying to make sure I don't do these decisions. 
And I feel like God is just trying to let a generation know and let 508 know, I appreciate your resistance. But your resistance is nothing without submission. It's nothing. If you don't submit, you can't effectively resist. God has to be in the room. The creator has to be in the room. Because hear me, you know what's more powerful than resistance? Relationship. And relationship with Jesus will always bypass and be more harder than, more stronger than your resistance against the enemy. You can resist all you want, but if your relationship with Jesus is weak, your resistance will be weak. And I'm surprised that it took me a while to know this, but it's the reality. We all try to not do bad. We all try to break those habits. We all try to not be bound by those addictions anymore. We all try to stop it. But the thing is, you're going to fail time and time again if your submission to God is non-existent. Submission is more important than resistance. I feel like God will prefer you pursue him with all of your heart than you try to fight the devil all the time. Because you're going into a fight that you're designed to win, but you're losing because God is not first. Can we be real here? We all struggle with something. You know what you struggle with. I know what I struggle with. Why? Because we're humans. And as long as we're humans, we're going to have imperfections. We're going to have struggles. The Bible says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. So we're going to have some trouble here. But the reality is, your trouble does not need to be your identity. And it becomes your identity if your identity is not yet in Christ. You have to be able to submit. Thank you, because I was about to start shouting and singing. And we have to wait. I have to save my voice for a little bit. So that's the power of submission. Submission makes your resistance stronger. Did you hear what I just said? Your submission makes your resistance stronger. You actually want to fight the enemy and fight your temptation and actually win for once? Put Jesus first. Put him as priority. Put him as the main weapon of use. And you'll see that losing is no longer an option. It's unfortunate. Because all these temptations we're facing, all these battles we're facing, it's literally a fixed fight. We're designed to win. When God said you are made in his image and likeness, the difference between image and likeness is image is appearance. Likeness is behaviors. So that means if you're losing a fight against the enemy, you're no longer operating with the likeness of God. Because God never lost a battle. God never retreated from a fight. God never been afraid to walk into battle. Because it's a fixed fight. It's a fixed fight for you. You're designed to win what you're going through. But it's going to be hard to see it that way if Jesus is not the center of your relationship. If Jesus is not the center of your life. Our whole lives, our whole existence is predicated on two words. These two words create your entire experience. It's the word yes, and it's the word no. Yes and no are the foundations of all your decision making. Yes or no can make you closer to Jesus or further to Jesus. Your yes and no can make your life a living hell or a living heaven. Your yes and no can make you experience heaven on earth or hell on earth. Yes and no. But hear me very closely. Psh, Jimmy, come up here. Emilio, you too, because you're, 
I love your swag, always. Come up here, come up here. You, matter of fact, Jimmy, you stand right there. Emilio, you come stand here. Yep, right there. Jimmy is yes. Somebody shout yes. yes. Emilio is no. no. Somebody shout no. no. But it's a yes in my book in Jesus' name. Praise him. He's worthy. We have a yes and we have no. Hear me very closely. With God, you can say yes to God, but that does not equate to a no to the world. So actually, when you say yes to Jesus, there's still a decision missing. Because when you say yes to God, he's saying, all right, now I need you to say no to something else. But many of us go through a partial mission success where we say yes to the right one, but we still haven't said no to the right one. And there are many of us in this room, you've said yes to God, and I congratulate you. It's the best decision ever. But your yes to God is going to be weak if this person still has your yes. If you say, catch me, and this is the other predicament. If you say no to the world, that does not equate to you saying yes to God. Am I preaching in here? You can say, you know what? I don't want to smoke anymore. I don't want to cuss anymore. I don't want to get drunk anymore. I don't want to do all these things anymore. You say no to the world. Great job. But did you say yes to Jesus? So there are many peoples. There's a beautiful dichotomy where we have a lot of people living in the middle. Because they have not yet made up their mind if they're a yes and a no or a no and a yes. I need you to leave this place here today. And make your final decision to say, God, not only am I giving you a yes, but I want to show you that as I give you my yes, I'm also giving the world a no. You have to choose. Because you can't have both. The Bible actually talks about in a specific scripture that God throws up the ones who are mild-mattered, who are in the middle, who are cool, who are warm. It's either cold or hot. It's either yes or no. But this is the reality. We have people in this room that said yes, but they also said yes here too. And maybe in their mind they said no, but their actions say yes every day. What is it, church? Because you can't submit and submit. It's either you submit and resist or submit and resist you can't submit to both so much so that God says you can't have two masters give to Caesars what is Caesars but give to God what is what is God's today is the day where we say yes and we give God a full yes a holistic yes a yes with integrity because a yes without integrity is a yes with a no attached We need to give God a yes of integrity, a yes that cannot be swayed or persuaded elsewise, otherwise by your season, by your predicament. What if I told you that your yes to God will actually strengthen your no to the enemy? The deeper your yes is here, the stronger your no will be there. Hear me, because many of us have said yes, but we're losing this fight. And God is saying, give me a full yes. Hear me. 
Give me a consistent yes. Not just a yes at the 508. Not just a yes on Sunday morning. Not just a yes at the conference. But give them a consistent yes. And watch your power to say no increase day by day. When the Bible says give us this day our daily bread. That's not just mandatory or default. Daily bread is a daily decision. I'm teaching good all by myself. But you have to be able to say, God, my daily decision today is yes. And world, my daily decision to you is no. Because you can resist all you want. But if your submission is not real, if your submission is not valid, if your relationship is invisible, your resistance is invalid. Did you hear what I just said? You guys can sit. Your, if your relationship with Jesus is invisible, your resistance to the enemy is invalid. It can't be invisible. It can't be invisible. I want to show you this. The disciples actually had a moment in scripture, a story, a moment happened where they actually had the same conversation with Jesus. And they said, Jesus, it wasn't working. You know where? John 7. John 7 specifically says, and even if you guys don't have it, that's fine. I just want to read it out. John 7, 13 says the following. It says, you will, de- you will never defeat your enemies. Catch this. Sorry, that's not. Mark 9 says this. The disciples, when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately. This is Mark 9, 28. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast this demon out? In modern day translation, God, we tried what you said and it's not working. We tried casting out this demon and it kicked our butts. Read your Bible. That's what literally happened. They tried casting out a demon and they got rocked. The demon said, no, not today. I don't feel like going nowhere. But catch you, this was during a whole entire day where they were successfully casting out demons. But a moment happened where the disciples tried casting one out. And Jesus said, they brought Jesus into a room and said, hey, we did what you said. We did what you, what you told us to do. We followed your command. We even used your name. But it wasn't working. It didn't work. And you know what Jesus' response said? He said this. He said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. So catch me, Jimmy. Their faith didn't fail to cast the demon out. Their courage didn't fail. Their intentions, their motives didn't fail. They did what they were told. So their initiative didn't fail. So what failed? What failed was their level of submission and intimacy. Because they went to cast this demon out. And Jesus said, now this one, this type, this situation, this bondage, this addiction, this depression, this anxiety, this suicidal spirit, this specific generational curse, this thing. You can't take that out unless you're in constant and consistent prayer. So that means they were missing a level of depth and intimacy that they couldn't accomplish the mission. What does that let us know? They got resistance because their submission wasn't all the way there. This is why we can't afford to live a partial Christianity. 
This is why we can't afford to do this life and give God a partial yes. Why? Because if we give God a partial yes, we're going to go through situations and we're going to say, no, I can overcome this and you will lose. And just like I said at the beginning, and it's not God's fault. Because God gave you all the tools. He gave you all the answers. He gave you all the instructions. He gave you all the support. But he says, I just need a full yes. I feel like that's a word right there. God is saying to all of us in here, I need a full yes. I need a full yes. I can't help you as much as I want to help you if you give me a partial yes. I can't do all I want to do in your life if you give me a partial yes. I can't say all the things I want to say if you give me a partial yes. So they went to Jesus and said they didn't, it didn't work. So maybe our faith is not the problem. Maybe our intentions, our motives, maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the problem is our level of submission. If we improve our level of submission, we're going to improve our level of resistance. John 7.13, here's another reason why your resistance may not be working. John 7.13 says, this is God speaking to Joshua. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. Joshua 7.13. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. There's a key word there. I want to do an exercise here. Who can tell? You only have one chance. You, who, what word in that scripture is the key word that I want us to all to catch. Until, I'm going to read it one more time, very slowly. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. What's the key word? Until. Come on, church, let's give it up. You guys are absolutely wrong. Good, no, good try, though. Catch this. This is the key word. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. Notice it didn't say you will not win a battle if your pastor doesn't remove this from you. It didn't say you will not win a battle if your leader removes this from you. It didn't say you will not win the battle until your mom, your dad, your grandparent, newbie on the piano. You will not win a battle until you remove. Stop asking God to remove things that you were called to remove. Stop asking God to deliver you from things that you're supposed to cast out. Stop asking God to stop things that you're supposed to stop. God had had to give Joshua a reality check. You're not going to win another battle until you make the decision to remove what's going on in this camp. Hear me, church. There are things in your life that you're still waiting for years for God to remove. And he said, I'm waiting for you, actually. And that's not God being harsh. That's God being intentional. Because if he removes it from you, there's still going to be residue. But if you keep playing, you got me in the oil. But if you remove it, but if you remove it, you're going to be able, and you have to make a decision to cut it from the root. Caraca. Do you understand what I'm saying here? God told Joshua, you are not going to win another battle 
until you remove this. Guys, your resistance is going to be non-existent until the root is removed. You have to remove it. Maybe that's not the word you wanted to hear today, but hear me. You have to remove it. Think about that thing because only you know it. You got it in your head? You have to remove it. God will support you. He will give you the strength you need. He will give you the affirmation. He'll give you the word that he's giving you now. But you have to remove it. You have no idea how many times I asked God to remove a specific thing I was dealing with when I was younger. I was like, God, take this from me because I want to serve you fully. You know that if it was me and I can have one wish, I'll ask for this to be removed. If I had two wishes, then I'll ask for the billion dollars. But the first wish, the first wish would be remove this from me because I hate failing God. You have to get to that point where you hate sin. Where it's not like, dang, I messed up. It's more like, why the heck did I do this? I hate that I did this. This is not me. This is not who I am. I feel disgusted. But look at it, not through the lens of shame, but through the lens of conviction. We don't got time to unpack that. But this is what God is trying to communicate. You remove it. I'll be there for you. I'll be there with you. I'll be in the room with you. The enemy will not be able to touch you because I'm there present with you. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you because surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. Oh my God, I'm about to run. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. The bad days, the days where you struggle, the days when you lose, surely goodness, surely mercy shall follow you you all the days of your life all the days there are friends temptations situations that God is waiting for you to remove and lastly Judges 16 shows us a story of Samson and Samson had Delilah And this woman was coming at Samson to try to unpack the secret to his strength. And he resisted Delilah time after time after time. But he resisted by speaking false information. Because of time, I'm going to rush right through it and give you the revelation. What's the point here? Samson was resisting something he was still talking to. You didn't catch it. Samson was fighting against something he was still entertaining. Samson was fighting against a temptation that he kept inviting over his house. Stop trying to defeat something you still talk to. Stop trying to resist something that you still welcome. Stop trying to push away something that later you will pull close. We have to make the decision to remove it. And the reason why he ended up losing, he resisted, he did that part, but he wasn't submitted enough to identify the lie, to identify the motive, to turn on the switch of discernment and see, I have to cut this relationship loose. He was entertaining what wanted to destroy him. Unfortunately, that's the reality for some of us in here. You're still having full-blown conversations with things that are created to destroy you. You're still going on dates with something that wants to take you down. 
you're still texting the one who actually has no motive to truly love you. I'm stepping on way too many toes out here. You have to remove it. You have to remove it. I want to make sure I wrap up due to time. The title of this message is, It's Not Working. The reason why I titled it this message, that with that title, is because that is the reality of many of us. That is the theme of the life for many of us. And when I ask you, how's your relationship with God, unfortunately, if I can title it and if you can title it, it would be, it's just not working. I'm singing the songs. I'm doing the prayers. I'm joining the groups. But it's not working. God, I'm not going to cry. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. But it's just, it's because I feel the heart of many people here. And you've been saying, God, I'm trying. I'm doing my part. It's just not working. And I hate that it's not working. And you're losing. And you have your wins, but then you lose and you hate yourself for it. And you're struggling with your identity and you're struggling with that addiction and you can't stop watching that pornography and you can't stop texting that girl and you can't stop being with those friends and you can't let go of the bottle and you can't let go of the blunt and you can't stop cussing and you can't stop doing these things. And you're saying, God, it's not working. I'm trying. I joined the small group. I came to 508. I wanted to talk to a leader. I texted. I have Whitney's number. I have P. Dev's number. I went to that thing and I went to that thing and I sought counsel. I did the therapy. I read the scriptures. It's just not working. And he says, because you're fighting too much. Don't worry about fighting. Don't even worry about serving. Worry about seeking. Seek me. The Bible says, seek first my kingdom and everything else will follow. God is trying to let you know that you're you're not designed to lose. And that memory that's maybe attacking you, maybe it's nightmares, maybe it's a traumatic thing that's catching you, maybe it's an eating disorder. I don't know what it is, and I don't don't know if God is going to start tugging on the prophetic, but one thing I do know is that you're fighting something that you were designed to win but yet your losses are more than your wins. And it's not because your resistance is not happening, but it's because your submission is not all the way there. Give God a full yes today. The team could come out and you can stand up on your feet. Tonight, I want to end this night with you giving God a full yes. I want you to leave this night and that your testimony is no longer it's not working hear me it breaks God's heart when you tell him God it's just not working I'm praying it's just not working I prayed for healing but yet I still get the doctor's report I prayed for oh I feel like this is stories I think stories are just going to come up and it's going to be your story God I prayed for my mom but she's still abusive she still doesn't cover me. She still doesn't want to come to church when I invite her. I feel like I have to be the mom in my own household when I'm the youngest. And I feel like there are people here that you're dealing with a specific identity crisis 
in your sexuality. And you said, God, I don't want this, but I can't help myself. It just happens. I just think about that person. I just think about this thing. And it feels perverted, and I don't want it anymore, but I'm praying, and it's not working. And God says, that is no longer your testimony. Just give me all of you. Give me all of you, and I'll handle the rest. Give me all of you, and I dare you not even to fight. I'll fight for you. Just give me all of you. Give me your heart. Give me your dreams. Give me your desires. Give me your faith. Give me your appetites. Give me your hungers. Lay it all down before my feet. I'm not afraid of your sin, says the Lord. Whatever it may be, God is not afraid of your testimony. He's not afraid of your story. He's not afraid of where you come from. He knows you by name specifically. He knows your situation better than you know your own situation. And even so, what he's trying to tell you right now is just give me a full yes. If you give me a full yes, you won't leave this place saying it's not working. But if you give me a full yes, says God, you will leave this place. And you'll say, God, you're turning things around for my good. You're turning things for my good. Close your eyes in this place. If you're in this room, if you're in this room, and you're that person that has to go back home to a situation that doesn't bring out the best of you, but rather the worst of you. If you're in this place, and you know you're struggling with that addiction. You've been struggling, it, struggling with it for years. And you've been praying for God to take it away, but it wasn't working. If you're in this place, and you've been coming to church hoping that that will numb the pain of your existence, God is inviting you right here to make a stand. Hear me, a yes is not just a private yes. A yes is a public yes. Private yeses are partial yeses. Meaning you can say yes to God right from where you are and that, that's okay, but it's partial. I dare you to privately say yes and publicly say yes. What does that mean? If you're in this room and this message was specifically for you and you're ready to give God a full yes, come to the front now, 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 now. Wow. Come to the front now, yep. This is the time where you stop losing. This is the day where your testimony changes. This is the day where the narrative flips on its head. This is the day where you go from being the slave to being the master. You go from being the person who was struggling to the person who is succeeding. You go from being the person who was in the problem to the person bringing the promise. Come up to the front. Squeeze in. This is a big front. This is a big front stage. It's a big altar. Come up. Come up. Come up. Squeeze it more into the front. There's more people behind you. They're coming in. They're coming in. Today, God is about to change your story. God is about to change your reality with tears in your eyes. He says, give me that too. Give me your tears. I'm not afraid of you crying. I'm not afraid of your story. I'm not afraid of what you're dealing with. I feel like God is saying, I want to change your story. I want to change your reality. I want to help you see things the way I see things. I want to show you what victory looks like. I want to show you what victory tastes like. I want to show you what victory smells like. But you have to give me a full yes. That's why the song says, I just want you and nothing else. Because that's what a full yes looks like. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. This is my yes.